So this morning, I want to continue with the subject I believe the Lord has laid heavily on my heart. My husband's already covered it. He's covered the leading of the Spirit, how to be led by the Spirit. But when I ask the Lord, the only thing I can get a real true peace on is to stay here for a while and get out what he wants to say. Of course, he has examples, and Dad Hagen has the most wonderful examples you can imagine, which is why my notes look like a book. We won't get to all of them. I just have them there in case I need to shift to them. Sometimes in telling them, it's almost better to read them because there's so much detail in there um, to help save us. Amen? And that's what the Holy Ghost is. He's so much more than just saving us out of trouble. He's so much more than that. But as you know, the way is fraught with danger. And so we need his, his green lights for go. We need his restraints. We need his voice when he speaks to us. Um, we need the bearing of witness, which is the number one way, because I really believe that the more you enter into a deep relationship with the Lord, you start to learn his bearing of witness. You start to inquire of him. You stop doing things on your own and you begin to ask him and run it by your spirit. And so that becomes uh, a frequent thing in your life. When you're younger, it's not as frequent because you don't you're, we're more mental when we're younger. doesn't mean you can't get in the spirit. That's not what I mean. Just that as you go, um, if you're practicing being led by the spirit, checking your spirit, asking God to show you by bearing witness, um, then it should be something that I really believe is quite frequent. It's that bearing of witness inside, whether it's negative or whether it's positive. But we need it. We need it. We need it. Some roads, if you go the wrong way, you can turn around pretty easy and get back. Others, not so much. Um, the Lord never leaves us. He never leaves us. He'll help us no matter where we are. If He helped Jonah <laughs> right. get out of the belly of the whale. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Cannot even imagine that. What a, what a horror for three days and three nights of complete darkness in the belly of a fish, knowing. I mean, he couldn't even count on the fact that the deliverance of God would come because this happened because of disobedience. Right. So he didn't even go into it with the strength that maybe Paul and Silas went into prison, you know, in the stocks. And that would have been traumatic. But he didn't even have that. He was just, I'm sure, begging God, save my life. Save my life and I'll do what you say. Save my life and I will listen this time. And some things are like that. Some things are crying out to God from the belly of the whale. Yeah. It's true. Doesn't have to be that way. But a lot of things that we learn in life, we learn simply because we end up there because we didn't know how to be led by the Spirit. It's not a punishment. Oh, my goodness. God is wanting us to get into these things so that our life, every time we touch something, even if there's um, restraint, even if there's an attack, no matter what it is, you watch that person's life, and sure enough, they'll end up on the increased side. Even if they come under attack, they will end up in the right place because God is with them. They know how to listen to the Spirit. So we don't want our life to be full of stops and starts and things that are aborted. We don't want that. We want to listen to the Spirit. We want to learn how. Yes. We want to learn how. And the best way is by learning about how to be led by the bearing of witness in our inner man. Yes. Amen? So I also had this come up in my spirit yesterday when I was 
praying, the Lord said to me, he said, I'm, I'm also having you pre teach on um, how to be led by the Spirit because in a season where I'm placing emphasis on being led by the Spirit and an emphasis on the breakout by the Spirit, he said that's going to include finances. It's certainly not limited to finances. It's going to be divine things that God puts in the people. He said there, the enemy likes to sow tares among the wheat. And so what I mean by that is he likes to give a counterfeit. And if all you're hearing from the pulpit is increase is coming, and it is, and you know, this is our season, and there's, we're running in Hebron, there's great breakthrough coming, coming, then you might be tempted not to run everything by your spirit man. Yeah. This is where if God gives a business, there'll be the wheat, which is legitimate, of the Lord, and then there'll be bright ideas that land in us and that we're excited about. Yeah. But that if we don't take the time to listen, um, you're going you're gonna to have something that starts up, sputters out, and completely stops. There's usually a waste of money included in that, lots of energy, and worst of all, great disappointment. Yeah. You know, and um, it doesn't, we don't want to get to the point where we feel like we can't trust ourselves. But if we're there, then we just be honest about it. And we recognize that the word is given to us so that our feet can walk so sure. Yes. And I mean, you can know. Don't ever let anyone tell you you can't know. As a born-again believer, not only can you know, you need to know. Otherwise, you put a stop to it and you wait. And I'll probably refer to this again later on in the sermon, but I had, uh, I had thoughts of something. Um, and I, I had a bearing of witness. I felt I had a bearing of witness. I prayed about it somewhat. And then, um, then I felt a, a blankness after I'd prayed about it. And I thought, well, in other areas of my life, like for instance, it's a big one, but when we started the church, there was never a blankness. It was he said it and then he stayed with us all the way along. It wasn't instruction every day, but there was a knowing. It was always a knowing. It was not, I feel like I know and then it's blank. Like a blank, like a, I don't, if I didn't have that, I probably would just say nothing. I have nothing. And so as you go with the Lord, I would say um, to pay attention to those things that where you think God spoke to you. And then there's a blankness. If there's a blankness, I would investigate and I would not move until he speaks one way or the other. Because I don't trust that blankness anymore. And uh, I don't want to be so determined that I heard God that I heard God. I know I heard God. I know I heard God. Listen, if you heard God, he'll speak again. He's our, he's our helper. He's not there like with the ruler, ready to crack your knuckles. Because I told you, you know, the over strict teacher that means well, but is cruel. Right? I told you, yes, you, but the Lord, he welcomes them, us to that place in the holy place where I, I, just this past week I went to him and said, Father, it is bothering me that I am approaching you on this for the third time, but I cannot and I will not move until I know. I, 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 I can't. I won't. I won't. I can actually. I won't. I choose not to. And there's a, there's a blankness there. And I'm not, it's suspicious to me because um, if you had asked me about the two other times I would have voted, yes, I think that's the Lord. I, I do believe that's the Lord. 
but then it falls off of me as if he said nothing, and I don't trust that. And so in not trusting that, guess who's going back to the prayer closet again until I have a definitive answer, and I would suggest you do the same. When you hear ministers say, you know, you have a peace about it, I have a peace about it, uh, make sure that peace is prayed out. It's okay to have a peace about it, but if you haven't checked that peace with your spirit so that both are in agreement and the witness is there, um, then you could be in mental peace. I know I've done it many, many times. And um, I, don't, I don't need to walk that way anymore, and neither do you. You need to slow down, yes. and uh, you need to wait on God. And if you're willing to do that, your life will be nothing but one success after another, from relationships to, like I said, vacations. These things seem un unimportant. Well, maybe unimportant in the bigger picture. But from there, you gain skill as to your, you know, your vocation, uh, where to be involved in your local church, businesses God is having you open up. But not just that. There's seasons for things. Yeah. It'll help you go, you know, whoa, down boy. It'll help you wait when you don't feel like waiting, when you feel like you've got all the information you need to barrel ahead, but inside there's either a blankness or there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, a falling inside. It just is not bearing fruit. And so God wants us to know. He wants us to know. And I'll, I'll get into some examples I think that'll really be a help to you. They're a help to me, which is why what I just shared with you about how I felt I had a bearing of witness twice on something, I, um, I'm not moving on it. I'm not moving on it until he confirms. And I said, Lord, uh, I'm sorry that I'm so dull. Yeah. I am, but I am here. Yeah. And I need to be sharpened. And the church needs to be sharpened. And I'm in a safe place because I know not to move. Amen. I'm in a safe place because I know not to move until I know. Until I know. So he said there's going to be counterfeits that are offered in, in all seasons. But especially when there's revelation that's coming, you don't have to be afraid. All you got to do is pray in the Holy Ghost and do what I'm telling you to do. Do what the Word is telling you to do. And uh, you don't, you don't want to feel like things are just barreling ahead and you're excited and all of a sudden it all fizzles out. Yeah. It all fizzles out. I've been there. I know exactly what that feels like. You were convinced this was God. This looked good. This was, this was God. It even had some ups to it. But it just doesn't go anywhere. And if it doesn't go anywhere, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a place for you to be, and it's in the secret place of the Most High God. He will talk to you. Yes. Don't expect a voice that's dangerous. Amen. He chooses when he uses to speak to you in a voice. What you're looking for, and I really believe, is the highest, is the bearing of witness, because it's not dramatic, but it's ever-present. And, uh, and it won't lead you wrong. It won't lead you wrong. And the devil cannot mimic the inner witness. You've heard this before, but I'm saying it again. He cannot mimic the inner witness. He can mimic a voice. He can mimic a sign. He can mimic and bring the right circumstances to make it look perfect. He cannot mimic the knowing that comes up out of your spirit. And that's why I believe God, I believe God wanted us to move and gain traction and not always have to be stopping to hear a voice, but he's bearing, it's a bearing of witness. It's the perfect way to lead us because he lives in there. He lives in your spirit, man. He touches with his, I say it that way. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it's his spirit conducting like a, a, a guy that does the train, you know, conductor, I guess that's the name. He's conducting you. You're moving. He's con don't go there. Stop that. 
you know? And so it's really important that we learn how he speaks. It's really important that if we're making mistake after mistake, there's no condemnation, but it's important for us to get up out of that. That is, that's milk. That's not what we want. We want fruit. And that's the fruit that remains. It's not just building a ministry. It's not just doing orphanages overseas. That's right. wonderful. But you're more important than an orphanage. Amen. You know that, right? Your individual life, it all boils down to what God put in you. And that takes me to this verse. I've, uh, well, Ephesians 1:16 to 19. Let's go. He's saying, I cease not to give thanks for you. But then he says this that the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? In the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him. Some people stop there. They think that this verse is all about God just wanting you to know about him. Well, I mean, you'll, ne you'll never exhaust that. That's amazing. And that's a part of it. But look at the next verse. It says, the eyes of your understanding. He wants you to know about him through wisdom and revelation so that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling for your life. The hope of his calling for your life. All individual lives come together, make up the local church. How are you going to know the specifics for your life? You've got to know through a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You've got to know this plan for your life. And he says that it's glorious. There's the riches of glory is in this inheritance in you. Amen. The number one way we can be led is by the spirit of the living God in our spirit. That's the main way. And I'm so grateful. I'm no longer waiting to hear the voice. Actually, I believe what Kenneth Hagin said was right. Oftentimes when you do hear that voice, it usually means a storm's ahead because you need something to anchor you a little extra. It's very much, I've found that to be true. It doesn't mean it's 100% all the time. Um, storms come and go. We, we stay steady no matter what, but it's, it's not necessary. You're, you're not promised the voice. You are promised the bearing of witness on the inside. My husband says that so often, but it's true. John 4 and 14 says, But whosoever drinketh of the water, that's the Holy Ghost, that I shall give him shall never thirst. And that's, I believe that's all in the knowing. What is life? It's a, it's a journey of, if you look out, forget the life of the believer. Once you're born, life is all about questions, answering the big questions. Why are we here? You know, is there a God? Am I important? Do I matter? Oh my goodness. If you don't have those questions answered, life is nothing but, uh, I think life is very painful actually. And there's a lot of things that come to take you and destroy your life, destroy the person you were born to be. And so he's saying you'll never thirst. If you drink of these waters of the Holy Ghost, you'll never thirst. You'll have the answers. You'll have the answers. You won't be left without being satisfied. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That springing up, up is code for quickening. Quickening of the Holy Ghost. The quickening of the Holy Spirit. I was in a service some years back. And when I was, I, I, everything seemed normal to me. There was a minister that was up ministering. And uh, I'm, I'm watching, I'm listening, it's good to me. And all of a sudden, the minister did an action on the, the platform. And when he did, 
My spirit within me, I call it, it panged. It was like a vibration. It was like something smacked a, a vibration on the inside of me. It, it, was, it was so disturbing. And I knew it wasn't me because he didn't, hadn't done anything disturbing. But as soon as it panged in the inside of me, I knew that the Spirit of God was grieved with that minister and that there was sin in that minister's life that was not repented of. I don't know why the Holy Spirit showed me that. I just prayed for him and left it at that. But it's unmistakable. So if you have things like that, you don't ignore those things. That's just another way God will speak to you. But there's a quickening, there's a springing up of the Spirit within you to help guide you in the affairs of life. So I wanted to tell a story that Dad Hagen shared about when Jesus came and gave him a vision years ago. And it was in uh, 1959 in El Paso, Texas. He was sitting in bed at 6.30 in the evening. He was studying and he heard footsteps. The door to his bedroom was open and he heard footsteps. He thought it was one of the family members. And in walks Jesus and sits down and talks with him for about an hour, I think, and a half. And he began to talk to him about the ministry of the prophet. And you might say, well, why are you talking about that this morning? Well, I'm getting there, okay? I'll, I want to emphasize something, but this story really helps emphasize it. So this is what, what he said. He said, Jesus said to me, the prophet, which is the office he was called to, the prophet of the New Testament is very similar to the prophet of the Old Testament in that the prophet of the Old Testament was called a seer because he saw and knew things supernaturally. The prophet of the New Testament also sees and knows things supernaturally. But the prophet of the New Testament does not have the same status as the prophet of the Old Testament in that I did not set prophets in the church to guide the church. Now, if you're like me when I first heard that years ago, I was disappointed. I, I like the prophets of the Old Testament. Yeah. I just love the fire coming out of heaven and... You know, the, the, at least the ones we read about are accurate. Of course, there's some in there that weren't. We know there's false prophets in there, even in the old. Uh, but I, I like the it can't be wrong kind of a feeling with the Old Testament. Don't you? With the, with the old prophets, it's like an incredible thing. But it is to your benefit. Let me tell you, it is so much to your benefit that the New Testament prophets are not the same as the old. And I'll explain why. This is what the Lord said. He said, I did not set prophets in the church to guide the church. He said, a Christian under the New Testament need not seek guidance through prophets. Please never, ever seek guidance through prophets. Even if they're the true deal, that is not the way God wants things done. He said, he might receive guidance through prophets, but he should not seek it. It is unscriptural to do so. The ministry of the New Testament prophet in this area is only to confirm what people already have in their spirits. We have people that come sometimes and they have uh, mentors in their life. They have people that tell them what to do, what, where to go, what they should be doing in their life. Do you know how dangerous that is? Yeah. Dad, I mean, Dad Dufresne, even if he knew, he wouldn't tell us. He said, you've got to get it in your own spirit because you, you can't have a man. What if they miss it? You can't have someone telling you. And if someone seeks to tell you everything, they're of the wrong spirit. That's the wrong spirit. We've got lots of spirits of control in the earth that we don't want anything to do with. 
And uh, it, it, God will not allow you to set your life so that you're following around a ministry office trying to get the answers from them when he's put the Holy Ghost in your spirit to guide you and lead you by the bearing of witness. Under the old covenant, only the priest, the prophet, and the king were anointed by the Holy Spirit to stand in those offices. What you would call the laity did not have the Spirit of God upon them or in them. That's all they had. That's not all we have. Amen. We're totally different. Yes. Totally different. He lives in us. Amen. says you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. So you better get in His presence until you understand unction. Yes. Right. Unction. You're, you're, you, that leading. That's another word for the leading. The bearing of witness is an unction. That's so important. Therefore, under the old covenant, people would seek guidance through the prophet because he had the spirit of God. It was right to do that. It was good to do that. But you know, even today, if you look through the, the body of Christ, they have, um, and I'm not putting them on the same bag, so I don't know everything that's out there. I do know that you cannot prophesy at will, even if you're a prophet. If you're a prophet, your job is to preach and teach the word first. Yes. And then if God comes upon you, then you can operate and flow in those gifts. But we've got, you know, we've got uh, people that get together prophesying over each other all day long. All you're doing is opening yourself up to familiar spirits because you don't control that gift. And that's, that's actually a very evil thing. And it's, it's, it's grotesque to the spirit of God, those kinds of things. So under the New Testament, thanks be to God, we not only have the Spirit of God upon us, we have Him in us. Aren't you glad that you don't have to turn to a man or a woman to get direction for your life? That if they do speak by the Spirit, you've got to have had something in there already? That's why we say things like, if it doesn't bear witness, put it on the shelf. You better put it on the shelf. You don't touch it. You don't move anywhere near it unless God is speaking to you in your spirit about it. Because what's he doing? He's causing that office to, to give you um, another confirmation that what you're feeling in your spirit is of God. But he's not there as the voice for your life telling you to do this and go here and do that. That is not the way God does it. And you should be glad that you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You should be glad that you don't have to turn to a man. Right. Or a woman, let me say that again. Sometimes people get so disappointed, yeah. you know, that, that they have to hear for themselves. And that's only because they don't know what, how to do that yet. That's true. If you knew how to do that, you would embrace it. You'd be so joyful about the fact that he comes to live in you and bear witness with your spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Then he said, this is Jesus still talking to him. He said, um, the number one way. The primary way that I lead all of my children is by the inward witness. And I'm going to show you how that works so you won't make the mistakes you've made in the past. And, you know, when we were in a church in Israel, um, it, it was a small church. They're all small over there. But uh, the minister was going through a really hard time. And uh, he was contemplating quitting. And um, we found out some details later that I, I think that the enemy was really had a foothold in the church and was really making a mess of the of the church. But they when we were there, they had minister friends that were there at the same time. Um, just, I guess, as a support. I, I think probably you would have called them missionaries. They went from church to church, especially they had a heart for Israel. They were from the States. 
uh, very, very sweet people. You would, you would have really liked them. They're lovely. But what I noticed was as we were ministering by the Spirit to the, to the, to the man, actually the man and his wife, the ministers of the church, I could feel tremendous pressure from this friend that was there, the man. And he kept saying to me, because I was praying for the wife, he kept saying to me, you've got a word for her. You've got a word for her. I can feel it. I can feel it. The Holy Ghost, I can feel it. Now, you could feel the Holy Ghost. But he was standing there waiting for me to prophesy over um, this minister's wife. And it was highly offensive to my spirit. I was not offended with him. He was a very nice man. But he was, it was tremendous pressure, and I noted it. And I thought, oh, so that's how ministers get out of from under the spirits that operating by familiar spirits. Because I could have opened my mouth and something would have come. But I knew that God did not want me to do that. I knew that was not the time. And, and uh, I could feel that pressure on me. And I know, um, you know, with ministers like Ted Shuttlesworth, and they, they flow so strong in word of knowledge. And, you know, they've had, they would have to combat that, that they don't ever step out because the people want a word. Yes. Yes. The, we're, when someone gets up and preaches and teaches by the Holy Spirit, and there is no word that's forthcoming, it's because you didn't need it. Yeah. You got the word. Yes. You got the word, and you can't yield to that. And as we go into these last days... There's going to be a lot of counterfeits. It's going to be a lot of hyperactivity. People that this man, if you met him, you would have liked him. But as soon as I saw him, I was instantly aware of the fact that him and his wife were not safe. They were lovely. You would have liked them. Like I said, they're likable. Not offensive in the natural at all, but not safe. There was, a, there was an unsecured, hyper... Um, it's like a, I can't explain it. It was like a wildness I could see in their eyes. It was very evident. And so I was grateful for the lesson, but I thought, I thought, Lord, I thank you for the teaching that we've gotten. Yes. I thank you that, you know, we don't have prophets coming in here prophesying that, you know, you've got 25 cents in your pocket and you live on, you know, 16 Downey Lane. Right. That's not what you need. No. That's not what you need. And prophets also need to learn their own office and if they make mistakes, God will help them. But uh, that's not what the office of the prophet is for. Amen. It is not for that. It is, it is as the Spirit comes upon you. Now, we're talking about being led by the Spirit. And, you know, anything in the New Testament that God manifests and teaches his body about, there's always a symbol of it in the old, even if it wasn't in full operation at all, in, in the sense that it looks different in the New Testament. You will find somewhere in the Old Testament, where God is priming the pump, but the full reality of it hasn't come yet. I wanted to take a moment to read it to you about the leading of the Spirit. And one of the symbols in the Old Testament that I think is really powerful that we don't really talk about, and I can understand why it's the Old Testament, but you ever heard mentioned in the Old Testament about the Umim and the Thummim? Have you ever heard about that? Okay, so you might not have. In reading the Old Testament, when they would seek the Lord for guidance, they would talk about the Umim and the Thummim, and they were, they were um, well, can I just read it to you? Because this will tell you better than I could. It says, what were the Urim and the Thummim? The Urim and the Thummim were a way of receiving revelation from God, and I'll give you scripture for it, and apparently consisted of one or more objects of an unknown nature. This oracular means almost like oracle, means was entrusted to the high priest who kept it in his breastplate. 
Exodus 28 and 30 and Leviticus 8 and 8, okay? And it says the Hebrew terms, umim and tumim, have traditionally been understand, understood to mean lights and perfection or perfect light. Sometimes this means of revelation is simply referred to as Urim. No, uh, Numbers 27 and 21, I just want to turn there to show you in scripture. This is about Joshua. Just go with me there for a second. Numbers 27 and 21. And if you go back, it says, I'm going to go to 18. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him, after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word, they shall go out. So they equated the bearing of witness with whatever these stones showed them when they asked what God's answer was about Joshua. Okay? And it says, it was used at critical moments. So this is Joshua. He's taking the leadership now from Moses. So this is critical, right? It was used at critical moments when divine guidance was needed for God's people. Remarkably, there is no record of the manufacture of the Urim and Thummim, unlike the high priestly clothing associated with it. Yeah. They don't talk about that. The, the priestly clothing, you talk, it talks all about how it was manufactured, how they made it in Exodus 28 and Exodus 29, and it is characterized as belonging to God, Deuteronomy 33, verse 8. <laughs> Furthermore, the definite article preceding the first mention of the Urim and Thummim could indicate that it was already a known entity in Israel. The fact that they didn't explain its origin, they just refer to it as using it, right? And so how did they work? So it's mentioned seven times in the Old Testament, okay? There is general agreement that the expression inquire of the Lord, whenever that's used, indicates the use of the Urim and Thummim if no other means of revelation is mentioned. Three ancient understandings of how the divine answer was received can be mentioned. Variations of these interpretations continue into the present time. Now, I love this. First, they were often identified with the gems on the high priestly breastpiece. These gems or the letters engraved on them would miraculously light up to give the divine answer. Isn't that cool? Beautiful. The miraculous, just like the Holy Ghost, the light of the Holy Ghost lighting up to give an answer. And, it, and it's amazing because it's just like the bearing of witness. There's no words. Yeah. Right? And it says, the, the miraculous element would confirm that the message came from God. This view regards the meaning of the name Urim and Thummim as perfect light as the manner of its operation. It was by light that revelation was given. Second, answers were received with divine inspiration so that the high priest acted as a prophet. He's inquiring of God. The method would make it possible for long detailed answers to be easily received from God. 2 Samuel 5, 17 to 25. In antiquity, this method was combined with a miraculous light to authenticate that the prophetic message was indeed from God. Third, the Urim and Thummim were considered a lot oracle. You know, you cast lots, right? right. So that answers were received by casting the Urim and Thummim as lots. 
And this is, this is interesting. This oracle, this oracle means could not be utilized in post-exilic times. So after the Assyrians came from the north and wiped out the northern kingdom, then the Babylonians came down and took out the tribes of Judah. Then after that, you, you, in the word, you go into the minor prophets, and that's all together. They were telling Israel, repent, because these armies are coming from the north. If you don't repent, they're going to come and defeat us. And they didn't listen. But after that time... They were no, they're no longer referred to in the word. Yeah. And it says they are no, there's no record of its use after the time of David. And revelation from God through the prophets replaced the use of the high priest, uh, the high priestly Urim and Thummim. Now I've got a couple more things I want to say on this. They were stored in a pouch sewn into the breastplate, which was placed directly over the priest's heart. Come on. Talk about a road map, a picture of the, the lighting up on the inside of the Holy Ghost. They were put in this location to be a memorial before the Lord. So beautiful. Josephus, who lived from 37 to about 100 AD, implies in his writings that the Urim and Thummim used to solicit the Eternal's will ceased to function 200 years prior to his writings due to the breaking of God's laws. And it says this, the reason for this demise is not explicitly given since the Urim and Thummim in whatever way they functioned were a physical means of revelation. It appears that God was taking his people away from the easy certainty inherent in a mechanical means of revelation to the more consistent use of prophecy and the word alone. This would require the more difficult application of the norms for true and false prophecy and thus necessitate a faithful teaching priesthood. Amazing, isn't it? And you can see, when you, when you um, read in the Old Testament about the unfaithfulness of the people and, uh, and when they came and destroyed Jerusalem and they took away everything and they went into exile... Um, God had to get them out of just staring at these things. The answer was too easy. And you know what? It's the same today. Yeah. It's the same today. You can't cast lots. You can't put out fleeces. You'll get a fleece like Dad Hagen said. You've got to spend time. The prophets spent time and God spoke to them. Yeah. And you could see why God would transfer them out of that method. But how wonderful and how merciful of him when they were learning that he would you know, give them the time and give them the certainty when they were going into battle, they're doing major decisions, that he would allow them these elements. So I just think that's a beautiful picture. I know it is. It's, it's the Holy Ghost in another form embedded in the Old Testament. But we have, oh, so much better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If we spend time with him. Glory to God. Now, Dad Hagen tells another story. This is a story morning, okay? But he talks about this, and I want, when I read it, I want you to see if you can find yourself in this story in a different way. And if you can't, when it happens to you in the future, that you'll pay attention. Not the details of his story, but the details of yours. So that you'll know to stop and pay attention to the Holy Spirit's cues. Okay? So this is what he said. 
Then Jesus, he just said, you don't refer to the prophets to lead your life. Then he says this. Jesus, in the same vision, says this. Then he called my attention to something that had been happening to me for the previous three days. Now, this is very unspectacular, what I'm about to read. And it should be so that you can understand in the unspectacular things of life how easy it is to follow the Holy Ghost. Okay? He said, for the past three days, I had sat down to write a letter to a pastor confirming a date to hold a meeting for him. Somehow, the first day, I got about half a page written. Then I tore it up and threw it in the wastebasket. No motivation to write the letter. The next day, I did the same thing. So you can see he's intent on getting back to this minister. He needs to. The third day, I did the same thing. He keeps throwing away the letter. He just can't seem to finish the letter. There's no fireworks. There's no big voice saying, don't write the letter. But he's something, he's just not finishing the letter. He's not motivated to finish it. Jesus said, you see me sitting here talking to you. This is a manifestation of the spirit called the discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is seeing into the spirit realm. And he was seeing Jesus. You are seeing into the realm of the spirit. You see me. You hear me talking. I am bringing you through a vision, a word of knowledge, and also a word of wisdom. I am telling you not to go to that church. The pastor would not accept. He said, you can see me. Now I'm going to tell you. So you don't even have to guess about it. Don't go, he says. The pastor would not accept the way you would minister when you got there. But I am never going to lead you this way again. So I'm telling you face to face right now, I will not be doing it again. That's in 1959. Okay? He says he never has, and that was many years ago. From now on, I'm going to lead you by the inward witness. You had the inward witness all the time, but he didn't recognize it. You had a check in your spirit. That's the reason you tore up the letter three times. You had something on the inside, a check, a red light, a stop signal. It wasn't even a voice that said, don't go. It was an inward tuition, intuition. I have a a family member that I want to have to my house. And I've invited them. And I keep getting ready. And every time I go to do it, I can't do it. Do you know how badly I want to do it? I want to do it. It's not my mind. It's not me rejecting that person. But I cannot. And and even as I was studying this, I thought, oh, Holy Ghost, that's what that is. I've gone to make the date. Text the date. Text the date. And I'll be honest with you, it's a burden. It's been a burden on my mind. I want to have that person to my house. Not because I want to disobey the Holy Spirit, but because I love that person and I, time has passed and I just want to reunite. Uh, Not live in their life. I just want to show them that I love them. But there's certain things going on and certain decisions that have been made. And so when I gave the invitation, it was because I thought it was okay to give the invitation. And I can't. And now I've opened it up. And I, but I will obey the Holy Ghost because he knows better than I do. But it's, it's distinct. I go to do it and I can't. I don't know why. I can guess. But I don't know, but I can't. When you feel that, you need to listen to it. Okay? And not only, not only because we don't want the fallout of whatever happens on the other side of that, but remember, you're building something in your life with the Holy Ghost. You don't want to sear your conscience. You don't want to... Do it anyway and hope for the best. You don't. 
You don't. It's worth listening to him. So he said, it wasn't even a voice, don't go. It was just an inward intuition. Then Jesus reminded me of another invitation. I had preached a convention for one of the full gospel denominations the previous year. Nearly every pastor there asked me if I would come and hold a meeting. I had hundreds of calls, I suppose. One fellow came up to me and said, Brother Hagin, do you ever go to small churches? He said, well, I go anywhere the Lord says to go. Well, we only run 70 to 90 in Sunday school, but if God ever speaks to you, we want you to come. I dismissed that conversation along with many others. Several months later, however, while praying in the church one day about my services that night, that conversation came back to me. Then every day, it continued to come back to me. Are you hearing this? Yeah. It continued. He wasn't thinking about it. It came to him, okay? Finally, after about 30 or 40 days, remember, he said, it keeps coming up. Isn't the Lord good? He didn't just quit. Oh, you didn't get it in the first five days. I'm not telling you anymore. He keeps coming up. He's patient with us. Yeah. You'll, in the future, he doesn't need to be as patient because you'll be getting it. But he's patient with us, okay? He said, Lord, do you want me to go to that little church for a meeting? The more I would pray about it, the more I would think about it. As we say, the better I would feel about it on the inside of me. It wasn't a physical feeling, but it was a feeling in my spirit. But do you notice there's time do you notice there's time passing here? Yeah. Sitting by my bedside, Jesus referred to this. The more you thought about it, the better you felt about it. You had a velvety-like feeling in your spirit. That's the green light. That's the go-ahead signal. That's the witness of the spirit to go. Now you see me sitting here. You hear me talking to you, and I'm telling you to go to that church, but I'm never going to lead you to go anywhere like this again. From now on, I'm just going to lead you like I do every other Christian by the inward witness. Then he says, if you will learn to follow the inward witness, I'll make you rich. Of course he will. Of course he will. Everything he does flourishes. And you flourish when you touch him. You flourish when you listen to him. It's great that Abraham was rich, but it was more about a picture of God. If you touch God, he's going to make you rich. He's going to make you rich. Everything in your life will start to flourish. And if you don't know how to be led, you need to pray and get in there with God and start paying attention to the, to the green signals and the red light, as he says it, you know, because he wants to lead you. That's why Dad Hagen would say the Lord did make him rich. He said, but it didn't happen by Saturday night. Right. It's the planted one. It's the planted one. Yes. He's got enough in that plan, like Reverend Taylor spoke about in the offering. There's so much in that plan. You don't have to worry that, oh, he's going to do this and this, but he's not going to bless me financially. I don't know if that's in the plan that God has for me. If you touch God, your rod will bud. Yes. If you touch God, the life of God, just like Aaron's rod, you, cannot, you have to. Because he's instructing you. So this is what he's saying. I'll make you rich. I'll, I will lead you into plenty. And he, he does it one step at a time. And there's surges. There's surges where you just feel like you're surrounded by increase. But, and every day is not that. But you let a little bit of time go. You know, sometimes like I, I'm, I'm up in Aaron and, and I go for walks. And I'm so grateful for the Lord because a little life would not have sufficed. It wouldn't have. And it's not that my life is so big right now, but he's talking about things, and I'm grateful for what I have. But a little life, you know, a little thousand square foot home, 
for 30 years, you know. Um, am I looking down on those things? No, that's not what I mean. I mean that in his plan is flourishing. Remember what I said by the Spirit? Remember I said to you that he showed me uh, on Wednesday when I was coming down from Oasis the abject poverty that we are currently sitting in? And it's not because the Lord is not grateful for all the increase that, it, that we've gotten and the ways we've obeyed him. That's not what he means. What he means is there's so much more. When you have an infant, do you know how much work goes into that in, infant in the first five years? Yes, you do, happy. Yes, you do. <laughs> They're not five yet, but it's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. And it's a lot. It's so much before you... Um, you seem like you have to do it so often, over and over and over before it sticks. Yep. Like, oh, like so much. But that's what God's like with us. We have to get so much in us, so much in us, then all of a sudden, instead of crawling, we're walking. You understand? So let him lead you. Let him guide you because it's the most important thing in this life. That's why Dad Hagen said it. Because it's your life. Right. You need to be led in your life. Led in your life, right? right? You don't want to be going along and because you didn't listen to God tell you not to take the car out that night and get in an accident and, you know, <laughs> destroy your life. It doesn't leave you. But nobody wants to go through that. Nobody wants to go through that. When I, uh, I don't know if you guys can remember this. This is another little embarrassment upon my, Jesus, thank God he's so patient with me. But I don't want him to have to be patient with me. You know what I mean? I don't want that. But um, six years ago, remember I started the thing where we'd go into the, the park and we'd run or we'd walk? Yeah. So on the way down that day, I mean, I loved it. It's a beautiful park. On the way down that day, my stomach was upset. My spirit was churning. And I thought, oh, I started this and I didn't ask you if it was okay. And I didn't. So I thought he was upset with me that I, that I started it and didn't ask him, which he's right, because you don't start things. If you want them to be a success, you don't just start things because they sound good. You don't just move there because it looks good. You, I'm telling you, don't do that at this point in your life. Run it by the Holy Ghost. And so anyway, what I should have done was noted the disturbance and called it off and said, I'm sorry, I jumped the gun. Forgive me, I'm canceling it. But I didn't because I assumed I knew what that restraint meant. And so what I ended up doing was busting up both my knees. And I still feel it six years later. Yeah. So are they much better? Yes. But I, I tell you, if I, had, if I had listened, I wouldn't have done that. Right? So I'm just saying, you don't want to pay for things the hard way. God doesn't leave you. You want to listen. This is sobering stuff. But there's joy in this. There's so much joy. There's supposed to be joy. We tell the other stories that don't have any joy in them because we want to tell you and so that maybe it'll help. But it's not supposed to. The red light comes so you don't do it. It doesn't come so you're telling the story about how you did it anyway and you're still trying to get on track. Right? I've had tons of healings since I was 40. I had masses in my womb, and I could feel by pressing down on my stomach, totally healed. Right? I've had God heal me. I couldn't sleep through the night. I sleep like a baby. I didn't take anything. He healed me. I just different things. I've seen him heal me, but I'm still working on the knees. And I'm saying, God, you knew. You knew this was going to be a trial for me, but I'm still standing. 
Amen? Amen. I've seen improvement, but I'm still not there. I tell you this so that if by any chance it helps, if you can learn, because I'm learning too. Amen? Listen to this. Just listen to this. This will bless you. And then I think I'll probably finish. This is Dad Hagen. I knew a man down in Texas. He had never worn a pair of shoes until he was 12 years old. Now you talk about poverty being stamped upon your personality, whether you like it or not. No shoes. No shoes until he was 12. He only had a fifth grade education. Your intelligence is not determined by your level of education. Your knowledge level is, but your intelligence is not determined by your, your level of education. But way back when money was money, he was a millionaire. Two different people, one from California and the other from Minnesota, who had frequent house guests in his home, told me that this man told each of them the same thing. He said to, to them both, in all those years and in all these investments, that's, that's how he made his money, I've never lost a dime. And he, Dad Hagen says, that beats my record. How about yours? It certainly beats mine. Everything I have ever invested in has made money. He told each of them on different occasions. Then he told them how he did it. Now, I want you to listen to this like you're hearing it for the first time. Because you know we repeat these stories here. But when I read it, I want to place an emphasis on the time that this man spends. I want to place an emphasis on he goes so far past, well, I've got peace about it. And I am not being condescending to that peace. It's just sometimes it's just not enough. It's not enough. This is what he said. He said, I always do this. When someone comes along with an idea wanting me to invest in something, my first reaction is mental. Of course it is. Sounds good. You're assessing it. You're figuring it out. Now, I know when Jesus said, when you pray, enter into your closet, that he didn't necessarily mean you have to get into a closet to pray. I knew he meant for us to shut things out. But I have a large closet in my bedroom where I go to pray, and I pray about it. Now, listen to this. I wait long enough until I hear what my spirit says. Didn't say he was waiting for a voice. What his spirit says, okay? Sometimes I wait three days. Now, please hear this. It's so easy to skim over this. Three days. Not three hours. Not three hours for three days. Three days. That's time. And maybe if you're like, I know Reverend Taylor and I have talked about it, this fast is helping us with time. It's helping us, the, the time. We're realizing it's not hurting us to wait more, to be in his presence more. We're actually kind of enjoying it, and we plan on keep going. <laughs> we'll keep going, Amen. right? He says, now, I don't mean that I stay in there 24 hours a day. I might come out, listen to this, and eat one meal. Usually, I miss a few. I come out, and I sleep a little bit. Now, this man is telling people, this is the secret, as a born-again believer, to my success. He didn't just say, I look inside and if I feel peace, I proceed. He did not say that. He says, but the majority of the time, I am waiting just by myself until I know. You have to wait till you know. Oh, but I have to have an answer by Monday. You don't move until you, God knows that you need an answer by Monday. And if you can't hear by Monday, you're not doing nothing. You're not doing anything. That's your answer. You're not doing anything until you know. Pastor Nancy's like that. We all talk about it. What are we saying? We're saying, 
She says she's slow to do things. What we should really be saying, we're not criticizing, but what we really should be saying is she don't move till she knows. That's it. That's she gets invitations. She's going to continue to get invitations. She does not move until she knows. She knows by checking her spirit man and praying in the Holy Ghost until she knows. How glorious. Don't you want to be like that? Until she knows. Sometimes my head says, it's like if God told you to start a business. Well, I'm just going to head this way until God says no. Well, what if you sunk a hundred grand in it? Which is usually what you need capital at the beginning. You know, and I feel peace about it. I feel peace about it. I feel peace about it. Now you're in. Well, I'm just going to date this person, you know, and I feel peace about it. I feel peace about it. Do you know how easy it is to fall for somebody? Yes. Takes about a date or two. Yeah. If they're appealing to you. Yeah. Doesn't take very long. Now, to back up out of that, oh. True. True. How, listen, the flesh clothes are so strong. You know what it's going to take to get God to get someone in here that's used to feeling attraction for the same sex that's married under Canadian law to back out of that and go the right way, God can help them. God will help them. But the, the way of the transgressor, the way of transgression, it's not just wicked sin. It's, it's going without the answer. It's, it's moving into something. Well, you know, I can still turn around. With much grief, you can still turn around. You, why would you do that when you can know? Because you weren't patient. I know exactly what it feels like. I got something I'm waiting on right now. I wanted the answer three weeks ago. I got a deadline coming up. But I told the Lord, I said, you know what? It's dung to me. Right. I'm at that point. Right. I wasn't there years ago. Yeah. Right. I wanted something. God, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you talk to me? God, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It feels good to me. And I'd proceed and fail. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Yes. If he doesn't talk, you don't move. Okay? And give him a chance to talk to you. Pray in tongues all the time. Spend some time. Don't be afraid to reverse things. We tell you when we make mistakes. Right? We do. Because I'm noting, I can't get this wrong. I'm happy to tell you my mistakes if it means I can tell you how it felt, what it looked like, what I learned. Because I don't live for me. I just really want to get it right. I really want to get it right. Because yes. the fruit of that is, is amazing. Yes. Amen. Okay, now listen to this. He says, sometimes my head says, boy, you would be a fool to put your money in that. You'll lose your shirt. But my heart says, go ahead and invest in it. So I do. And in all these years, I've never lost a dime. Every time he did that, he was acquainting himself. Yes. He was waiting for that knowledge on the inside. Every time he did it, every time you sow to the spirit, you sow to life, Amen. you sow to increase. Every time you sow to the flesh, every time you jump the gun, every time you listen to your mind and you get your lists out and you reason it up and down, up and down, up and down, and you don't take the time to make sure you know in your spirit, you're gonna reap corruption. You're gonna reap the failing of things. Then again, he says, someone comes along with a deal, and my head says, boy, you'd better get in on that one. But I don't pay any attention to my head, and this, if I could, if I could give this sermon a title, yeah. Yeah. this is the one. Yeah. I don't pay any attention to my head. Amen. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's good, 
Doesn't matter if it's bad. What is my spirit saying? And then I get in that closet until I know. It doesn't have to be a closet. You can drive in your car. You can do whatever works for you. I get in that closet and I wait. Sometimes all night long I wait. Now this is, this is the behavior of someone that puts the Spirit of God first. I pray and read my Bible, but a lot of the time I just wait. Oh, isn't that wonderful? You don't have to know exactly how to say it all. You don't have to be smart enough and ter- try to get God to turn some big key upstairs, you know? He just waited. God sees. You can sit there in total silence and God honors it. He honors it. And he says, I just get quiet until I can hear inside what my heart says. And when my heart says, no, don't do it. And my head says, yes, you better get in on it. I don't do it. I don't do it. What had this man done? He had learned to follow the inward witness. And God had guided him in his business until in the late 30s and the early 40s, he was already worth $2 million. Didn't have shoes till he was 12. Oh, you got to love that. But look, look what, look what he put into seeking the Lord. He says, that doesn't sound big now, but it was big then. Do you think God loved him more than he loves you? No. But this man took time to listen to God. I say, let it all burn. Going forward, we listen to God. And I know we've been trying, but we got to get more accurate. There is a plan. The devil wants to steal that plan. What does he do? He sends decoys. They look like the real thing. They look like the real thing. And God has the real thing. And I'll end with this. Years ago, got involved in an investment. And initially, what, were my, what was my words? I didn't take time to pray about it. I just heard and they were not wrong. I just didn't, I was immature in how I um, understood these words. The person saying it was right on. But I misunderstood the words, I got a piece about it. So what did I do? I checked my mind. My mind felt good about it. And so I did it and did it and did it. But I was amazed at how God was blank about it. No words. Nothing confirming. Nothing said. And I've learned when it resounds in your spirit, he stays with you. You might not have to, he might not tell you every single day, but I don't hear and then it goes blank. We didn't start the church and then it was kind of like, where's God? I can't, I can't hear him. I'm sure, I think we were right. No, that was, that was not that. Why? Why? Because we had a knowing. Yes. We never sat down with the, with the templates and the list and said, well, I think it's time for us to do this now. I think this would be a good time. It was the worst time. Um, I think we should do it this way when God said, no, you do it this way. I think we should stay in the, go to another city. No, you don't. He caused that to fall through the building we were looking at there. Thank God. He was working with us in our ignorance because yeah. we were ignorant. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to do the right thing. So, right. you know, you pull it out. Mississauga's then, and then Oakville. Oakville never felt right. I love Oakville. It's like the nicest place around. Like, it's so beautiful. It's got everything. I, I cannot live there. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Way nicer than where I am. But I can't live there. I just know it. It's in my spirit. Yeah. It's the leading of God. So this investment didn't work out. And in my ignorance, I'm thinking the silence of God is just, you know, 
He's going to show up in, in, in the glitter and the gold one day, and it's going to be amazing. But when I go back and I assess it, oh, I got in my mind. Things I saw, things I said. Why? Because I'm working something up. But here's the thing. I didn't know I was. I thought I was agreeing with God. The spirit feels so different from the mind. They're not comparable. That's why you can have someone say, I know. Well, how do you know? Well, remember when the word says, the witness of the spirit comes into you and you know that you're a child of God. Yes. Now you could say that to somebody else, but that, that holds a whole system of feelings. It's not only relegated to feelings, but it has a lot of feelings to it. When you're worshiping and that he lights you up on the inside, you can feel that. You can feel that spirit of worship. You can feel that sense of belonging. You know the Holy Ghost. And if you talk to someone that's not saved, they say, well, how do you know? How do you know? You could be, why aren't you, you know, Hindu? Why aren't you Muslim? How do you know? What's so special about you? I just know because he bears witness. It's his job to not just bear witness, but to come in, live inside of you, and then conduct you from inside your spirit, right? So this investment, I, going forward, uh, I'll know not to do that. The blankness won't be there. I, I won't move if that blankness is there. I certainly won't continue if that blankness is there. Ah, it's the things of the Spirit. He he says, Jesus said to Nicodemus, it's like the wind, you know what I mean? But it's so real. You go out into a windstorm, and it'll blow you over. It's so real. And the ways of the Spirit are more real than this realm. But we've got to get skillful, praying in the Holy Ghost until we know And God can lead you, Holy Ghost can lead you, whether you're baptized in the Spirit or not. It's better to be baptized in the Spirit. But He can give you the checks. He can give you the green lights because He lives in there. You're one of His. You're one of His. And so um, there's a lot coming for this church. There's a lot coming. And so I'll end with what I felt the Lord really say to me yesterday, and that was the enemy will try to bring counterfeits. And your job is to wait on God until you know. And you don't move until you know what he's saying. That's right. And if you, if you will take the time, and listen, I know it sounds like a lot of time if you're not used to doing it, but to sit with God for two or three days and have an answer, he's a multimillionaire. Right? The life of God has to come out of us. It has to come out of us in our families. It has to come out of us in our finances, it has to come out of us in the plan, in the footpath. And as you're praying in tongues, and then God, you, you don't see anything today, but God can have someone come up to you tomorrow. They might have something already developed, and somehow they want you involved. And if you pray, God can say, do it. Yes. Yeah. And that's all it takes. There's suddenlies in God. There's suddenlies. Not everything is... Well, he didn't tell us about the plane that we were getting. He didn't tell us about Oasis. They're just there. If you could see into the spirit realm, the, the plan and the path that he has for your life is packed. Don't disappoint him by staying in your head. Pray it out and he can get it to you. It's there. But he can get it to you. He can get healing to you. He can get turnaround for you. Deliverance to you. But not if you stay in your head. You're not going to receive it. You're not going to be able to. 
because it comes out of the Spirit. Unless it's a gift in operation, I don't want to live my life by the gifts of the Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I don't always want to be healed. I want to walk in health. Right? Um, God can rescue me and pull me out of the flames if he wants to. And, you know, I would want that if I was in a bad situation. But that's not how I want to live. The people that I follow are not living like that. Pastor Nancy's never been in a crisis. She was not in a crisis when Doctor's plane went down. If ever there was a time. All I saw was strength. I saw something supernatural. And people that are fleshly judged her for it. Called her cold. She's not cold. She had a wonderful marriage. But she knew to shut this down and to pray. Get down in her spirit. She had exercised that for years. So she had the skill set. Right? If, you're, if God's wanting you to open up and do certain things, you know, he's got the timing. He's got the connections. But he needs your yes. And you need his yes. You don't want to just hear these teachings about the goodness of God. He's so miraculous. Yes, he is. But if you don't know how to work with him, you can't, you can't receive it. So he puts his Holy Ghost in you to teach you all things so you can manifest these things in your life and that there can stop being destruction. There can stop being such disappointments. There can, that divine protection that you hear about in Psalm 91 can have its fullest flourishing in your life because when you went to do something and he said, no, you stopped. You didn't just barrel ahead. Right? You didn't read the scriptures and go, wow, it sounds like he's all of this and all-encompassing, but my experience is not that. My experience is sickness. You know, a family member died. My kids are this. You're experiencing a different world. And if you don't understand that, that what's happening and why that's happening, you'll get hardened to the reality of the word. You'll get hardened to the promises. It'll just be... Church is a place where we talk about the bigness of God, glory to God, whatever, and you go outside and you live hell on earth. Yeah. And that, that knowledge that he's come to actually make your life free, worth living. Yeah. Listen, you don't have to be clinically depressed to really feel like life's not worth living. That's right. so you can go through seasons where you're like, Lord, I'm not depressed. I'm not suicidal at all, but this don't seem like it's worth living to me. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, it's just hard. You know, and God might even be doing things in your life. But, but if you know how to follow the Spirit, see, though I walk through the valley yeah. of that shadow, when I'm there, you're with me. Yeah. And I know how to walk with you, even if there's a valley, even if there's an attack, I know exactly what to do because he's my light. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not trying to look to everybody else to get an answer. Right. So you cultivate now. You cult- if, you're, if you're in dire straights right now just cling to the rock trust me he will not abandon you he will get you out but don't live in crisis let him bring you out and then continue to learn continue to learn continue to learn no matter what you've been handed in life no matter how bad it is the leading of the holy spirit can get you out so that your life is worth living oh glory to god Father, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We love you. Oh, we do we ever love you. You're the greatest treasure. Jesus was right. You are the greatest treasure. 
You live in these earthen vessels, and these earthen vessels mean everything to you. Our spirit, Lord, that contains you is of the most valuable price. You paid it all. But Lord, you want a church that knows you. You don't want us struggling. You don't want us down in the dirt, taken advantage of, trampled by serpents and scorpions, demons. Every attack, Lord, there's victory. And we certainly don't want to bring attack on ourselves, Lord, by being disobedient. Glory to God. We love you. 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 You'll get us out of it, Lord, whatever it is, because your love is so much greater. If it was our kids, Lord, we'd get them out of it. And you'll get us out of it, Father, if we pray in the Holy Ghost. If we do what that man did, he did it about money. We can do it about anything. And Lord, help us to enter into more fullness, not a quick prayer here and a quick prayer there, Lord God, but the fullness that comes from waiting on you until you're all we can see. And then we get the joy, Lord, of watching you turn the insurmountable in our lives. And we're serious about it, Lord. We know you're serious about it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that when the counterfeits come, when the decoy comes, Lord, our spirits will tell us, because you live in there, and we'll obey you. I praise you for it. Thank you for our forefathers. Thank you for Dad Hagen. Thank you, Lord, that you brought his books to my mother, Lord, when I was two years old. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for Dad Dufresne and Mom Dufresne that hold the standard high. Thank you, God. Look at that. Look at that lineage. You never dropped us, Lord. You just sent a man and sent a woman to continue what you'd started all those years ago. And Lord, I just thank you for it. I thank you for these, Lord, this congregation so dear, so precious, so important to your plan. And you have an important plan in each one of them. Lord, we want to see it come to pass for each one of them. Thank you for the leading of the Holy Ghost. We worship you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen and amen.